Hey guys, what's up? This is Chris Chavez, co-host of History Creeps, Hardly Kayfabe, and Chris and Anthony Just Can't Stop. Normally, you'd hear a bumper for the network right about now. Instead, I wanted to take a moment to ask a favor. If you've ever listened to many of our shows on the network, you've heard us talk about a place that has quickly established itself as a staple of downtown Buffalo over the past couple of years. Mizuta Chow's is a Japanese-themed bar-slash-restaurant-slash-retro-80s arcade that features amazing Japanese-inspired street food, top-shelf drinks, and a glittery pink staircase that has become one of Buffalo's most popular Instagram selfie destinations. Like many other establishments around the country, Mizuta Chow's was forced to shut their doors and lay off their staff when the COVID pandemic hit. At first, they didn't let that stop them from helping the community. For weeks, Johnny Chow and his partner Christy, along with a number of other Chow's employees, worked to feed essential workers on the front lines treating those affected by the virus. They organized pop-up drive through grocery supply stores for anyone who needed essential items. The crew at Mizuta Chow's has worked tirelessly to support the community during this rough time. Now, we here at the network want to help show our appreciation for an establishment that has proven what it means to be a neighbor in the 716. Recently, a GoFundMe was set up to try to raise money to help Mizuta Chow's pay employees, bills, and ensure that when it's safe to, they can open their doors to the good people of Buffalo and Western New York. I know things are rough everywhere, but if you are able to, please consider donating to the Mizuta Chow's Relief Fund on GoFundMe. Every bit helps. You can also find a link at bicbp-radio.com. Thanks for listening and supporting the network. Now on with your show. Welcome back to another episode of Silence Your Phones, your movie review podcast on the network. One of the many podcasts found on BICBP-radio.com. Make sure you go check them out. But we are Silence Your Phones. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts. This is Chris Chavez, joined as always by Sean Fritz. Sean, I feel like we have to start our shows now with uh, a daily log of day, however many days it's been since the coronavirus outbreak. Well, it's been too many to count. I think it's going on two weeks of like shitstorm hit the fan. Yeah. I know it's two weeks since the initial some states have shut down shop and starting as of this recording tomorrow, the state of North Carolina is at a, uh, what is it? Stay at home or home in place or don't leave your front door unless you really arrested. Yeah, oh, they're, they're going to actually enforce that. Well, I think enforce is a loose term. Uh, but if you really want a, this is this recording is delayed from the time you hear it. But if you really want to, if you want to blow your mind or sweat, cold cold sweat or or whatever, just check out worldometeor.com slash coronavirus. You don't want to do that, dude. That thing just keeps climbing. It's nonstop. Are you you're familiar with Worldometer? Oh, I'm very familiar. <laughs> That, dude. My wife uh, was telling me about it. I'm like, dude, I don't know if I want to look at that shit, man. 
It's uh, so here. I'll give you some stats. We oh, have surpassed seven hundred thousand worldwide cases. Wow! Yesterday it was at six hundred in the morning. Six hundred thousand yeah. in the morning. It was about six fifty or six sixty by evening. So we're mm-hmm. already past seven hundred. And active cases, those have not who have not recovered, be it in mild. Con- uh, it's currently infected. Is the is the tagline right. five hundred and nineteen thousand and and the. Uh, the serious or critical rate of that is about 5%, which is yeah. more than double now what what the was it the CDC or the NIH said was the expected. Yep. And it's like, well, that sucks a lot. Yeah, and I see crazy. why we're not going to get through Easter and be back to normal, unlike some people. Yeah, no, this is going to be a months and months thing. I feel like we're going to be buckling down and learning how to, you know, reconfigure society. I think what's going to happen is exactly what happened to a sl- maybe a slightly lesser degree in at the end of this movie, The World's End. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I was <laughs> so as I'm watching this movie, I'm just thinking to myself like we're picking movies that feel like they're predicting where we're going. We started with Contagion, Shaun of the Dead. Hot Fuzz was a little bit of a side side thing, but then right back to this and the ending of it. And I remember finishing it because I watched it again this morning. But I watched, I finished it just feeling and then looking outside at the gray sky and just like the empty streets and going, yeah, we're 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 on our way there. Well, the the funny thing is, when I look outside, I see empty streets all the time because I live in a cul de in a neighborhood. <laughs> nice. And so then there's trees between that str- the through street and the main road. So it's you know I, I can still see the, the cars passing by, but it's not an overly busy street. I live a little bit more out in the country, not Sanford, as uh, Nicholas Angel did in Hot Fuzz. Nice, nice callback. Uh, but as you were saying, we we ta- uh, or as I was saying, we we watched uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and this week's movie uh, finishes out the Cornetto trilogy or the Three Flavors Cornetto. Uh, this one is The World's End. Ever had one of those nights that starts out like any other, but ends up being the best night of your life? I did. Our goal that night was simple. 12 pubs, 12 pints. From the first post to the world's end. But that night, we never made it. That's what the boys are today. Uh-huh. We're going to go back to Newton Haven. Why? Five guys, 12 pubs, 50 pints. 60 pints. <laughs> Steady on, you alky. This is our chance to finally finish what we started. We are going to do the Golden Mile, and this time we are going to see it through to the bitter end. Or lager end. Good evening, Raimondo. The prodigal son's return. Hi. What do you recommend? Beer. Mmm. One tap, what's this? What? What the hell is this? Why are we even here? We are here to get annihilated. You come back and everything's sort of weird. I suggest you get on your way. It's not us that's changed. It's the town. We are going to get to the world's end if it kills us. Welcome home, boys. Oh, no. The world's end. What do we do? Did you see this when it was in theaters or did you wait wait for it to come out on video or is this your first time seeing it? 
Uh, I watched it this morning, probably about an hour before we started recording, and this was the first time I had seen this particular movie. And, and I don't have a really good reason as to why I didn't see it beforehand. Interesting. Yeah. It, 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 yes, the movie was. It's going to be interesting to hear your take on it because I, I'll tell you right now, this is my second time seeing it. I've not seen it more than that. Uh, and the first time I saw it, I remember kind of coming away from it going, I don't know if I necessarily like that. Like, it, I don't know. I, I really felt kind of swerved because it didn't feel anything like Shaun of the Dead or, or Hot Fuzz, uh, obviously, and it shouldn't. It's not like it's a continuation of stories or characters. Um, but then watching it again this time around, uh, I, I definitely have – it's changed my mind, so I'm, I'm interested to get into it. Uh, but overall, the, the World's End is basically the story of this guy who – can't grow up he's still you know stuck on the glory days of high school and this one night where he and his friends tried to complete this golden mile this mile long stretch in this, their hometown where they would hit 12 pubs in one night drinking 12 pints uh with a few shots thrown in um and they never completed it and so then it gave him this brilliant idea after he's sitting in this group at the beginning of the movie uh to do it he's going to contact all his friends when they're in their 40s to see if they want to go out and do it um so Let's get right into it, dude, because this movie, the actors and actors are the exact same. Or I wouldn't say the exact same, but again, the same handful of actors and actresses who have been a part of uh, the other two movies so far. So actors and acting. What are your thoughts? Uh, I really like the fact that, uh, first of all, that uh, Martin Freeman got a bigger role in an Edgar Wright movie oh um, yeah he, but for a change because his role was increased he was not second build unlike the first two movies that he was in um, he is a much bigger name by this point you know Lord of the Rings he's just barely part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and perfect American accent by the way in that movie mm-hmm. um, but he's just got a he's got more of a uh, you know, more of a, a role. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost obviously are center stage. Uh, Patty Constant, uh, Considine, however, it's it's Irish. I'm not, not that good with Irish names. Um, he one of the Andes, and then one of the other Andes was a very bit part in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Rafe, uh, what's his Rafe? What's his name? Uh, where'd he go? He is on here somewhere. Rafe Spall. He's just cast as young man. Basically, he was some, buying a, a home for, or, or trying to before Simon Pegg, Gary King shows up and drops a couple of F-bombs. Uh, Bill Nye again in the movie, but he's just the voice of uh, the BICBP radio network. <laughs> Dude, that was amazing. I, I'm not, like I said when I texted you, when they said that, immediately I was like, holy shit, are you kidding me? And then like when they said the, that line itself, I was just laughing out loud. I was like, I'm going to have to steal that just that audio clip and use it and stuff for the network uh don't forget though pierce brought again another james bond right like here we go he's just kind of be this for edgar Wright. he must be like geeking out to be working with james bonds i would love and and we can't have some of them now because sean connery is retired i think um uh, roger moore has since passed within the last year Mm -hmm. or two if i'm not mistaken um i doubt george lazenby is doing much at this point but probably would not probably would take acting too seriously i I don't know um but he's in one of what's regarded as one of the best james bond movies um daniel craig has he seems a little a little serious 
around the time of Casino Royale and right after that. But mm-hmm. lately, he's been in some really weird, artsy movies that I think he would do one of these in a heartbeat. That would be great. That'd be amazing. Yeah, dude, I loved it because, again, we have a lot of the familiar faces we've seen. Even in the opening scene, remember when they're sitting there in that circular group? The girl sitting to his left was the the, the first girl zombie we saw in the backyard in the garden on Shaw. Oh, the Death. drunk one. It was. And she's got the exact same face on the entire time. <laughs> she's just sitting there just like like looking like she's completely wasted and drunk. Um, nice. But yeah, dude, I, it, there's that familiarity, which is nice. But what's nice also is that they all played such different characters again. So like Nick Frost in, in Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz kind of had the similar character. One was more of a slacker. One was more of a doofus. But this one was the he was the one who was the straight laced guy, the guy who was completely serious. And it, it's completely different from his other characters. Whereas Simon Pegg. What did you think about Gary King? Like, what was your what was your feeling on the on the acting and then basically the character that he played? So I'm going to get to Gary King in a second, but ah. let's look at the first movie. So Shaun of the Dead, Shaun was a slacker, and, yeah. Ed, and Ed was just a, a hangers-on. Yeah. In the second movie, um, Nicholas, Simon, was a, a hard-ass. Uh, by the books, black and white, there's no gray in between. Yep. There's, no, there's no middle ground. And Danny Butterman was a slacker, a follower. And now in this movie, Gary is a leader, but a big time slacker. Yeah. And um, uh, Andy Knightley, Nick Frost, is a very regimented lawyer. Yeah. So they seem to take a lot of the same characteristics. And this one, they kind of, you know, kind of shaped everyone's characteristics together a little bit. Made one a little bit more of this and one a little bit more of that. Basically, they're, they play two ends of the spectrum in a lot of these movies. But as far as Gary King, uh, the character, yes, Simon Pegg played a great, charismatic person. Uh, definitely peaked in, you know, in uh, at 17, 18 when they did this the first time. He's one of the few people that isn't a jock that does that, stereotypically anyway, and just never moved on, whereas everyone else was forced to move on and move away. And the only way they moved on was by moving away. Yeah, I think as I was watching this the second time, I realized what it was that made me it kind of threw me off and made it was like I wasn't sure if I liked it was the character. And I realized Mm -hmm. it as I was watching it this time that Peg does a great job of of making this character not likable at all because I didn't I didn't like it. Like for Shaun of the Dead, he was a slacker guy, but he was kind of a lovable slacker, right? Like you could you you, you like he meant well, exactly. He meant well in that movie. Uh, In this one, he is a I don't want to say ne'er do well. But he's just very selfish yes. and very, very uh, overtly obtuse. Yes, all the way, all the way to the very end, all the way to the very end, completely. And 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 you and you can see it. I liked what they teased at the, this other at the very, very end. But like the fact that he has to be the one to say sorry because he feels like the entire thing was his fault. Which, I mean, technically it was. Um, oh, yeah. Again, very manipulative be, too. Exactly. So it's uh, it's definitely I. Re- the first time I saw it, I walked away from it just being like, I don't know if I like that. And it was because I just didn't like his character. And because I wasn't invested, I wasn't pulling for him by the end. And by that time, I was just kind of like, I don't care. I don't care how this is ending. Uh, watching it through the, this time around, um, I did enjoy it, but it was I did see it uh, a little differently. I, could, I, I felt sad for him. I felt bad for him that he was this guy that just couldn't get past that. Um, and then when you see kind of what he's been going through in his adult life and, and how, how much damage that really does to be that way, 
you know, I felt bad for him. So, it, man, props to Simon, dude. The dude can act for real. Mm-hmm. He definitely has range. Uh, and and Nick's great too. Uh, you know, playing playing that more of a straight laced guy was was a, a lot different than the way I'd seen him in the first two, or even different than the character he plays in Space. Have you seen that yet? No. Oh, all right. No, dude. Haven't gotten there yet. You got to get there. It's so good. Oh, well, um, I will. But yeah, overall the acting and uh, I think was was pretty top notch. Uh, and and the familiar actors just lend to how much fun goes into this. But you know, the acting is only as good as the writing itself. So let's talk about the writing, uh, the story, and the plot. solid plot i think the idea behind what's happening here uh and then the underlying themes of kind of like not being able to let go from the high school days or you know or or some of these guys depending on what part of their lives they're at like the one guy was still in love with this girl from his hometown uh so much so that it you know he it it comes across as you know he just kind of goes to the goes with these girls just to kind of have them you know he was very Mm -hmm. quick to say how old his girlfriend is every time yeah and and it's yeah, it's one of the Andes. Yeah, playing a different, definitely playing a different character as well, which is, you know, which speaks to him as well. But yeah, it, it's almost like he's just trying to fill a void and and not finding anything that is comparable. But you know, taking what everyone else thinks is, uh, uh you know, deserve it of an attaboy or mm-hmm. or you know, great job, good on you type thing. Yeah, and I think Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg do a good job of writing these kinds of things into overall genre films, right? Like zombies, uh, the zombie horror films, the the that ap- action cop film, and now we're doing sci-fi uh, in this one. And they they always have a good way of kind of humanizing there, so it's you're not too detached, uh, and especially making them very real characters. Like I said, Simon Pegg's character, uh, very realistic, very much kind of like. A lot, you know, there's a lot of people in life where you're going to come across they're they're that kind of self-centered asshole, and they can't help it. Yet they're charismatic enough to still have friends. Do you know what I mean? Everybody knows somebody like that. Exactly. Uh, I like to say I know myself. So, <laughs> um, but overall, I've met you. <laughs> but the story. Uh, I thought it was a decent story until the very, very end. And I got to tell you, I was very kind of let down. I was watching it again and remembering, I think this was another reason why I was let down. I felt like it was kind of a rushed ending. Do you know what I mean? I feel like they got themselves all the way to the world's end. And then when they got there, they're like, well, shit, what do we do now? Like when they face this, what? how do we? How do they fight themselves out of this? And the, what goes down, I feel like it was just kind of like, oh, really? That's it? Just kind of like, a, you know what? Forget it. Peace out. You don't think it's uh, realistic, a realistic ending? I mean, it could be. It just, there were things about, so I love that Nye was doing the voice, so that's cool, right? But I just feel like, I don't know, what I would have wanted from something that's considered a network, that I would want to hear zero emotion in the way he's he's speaking. Do you know what I mean? There shouldn't be any inflection in, in his tone of voice. It should be very, like, we're a hive mind type of a thing. So when he started to get annoyed and frustrated, it felt very kind of like, oh, this, I was, it was starting to lose me there at the very end. Well, consider a consider the source, you know, yeah, well, yeah, the, the yeah, writers. Yeah, it's, I think it's supposed to be a little bit in absurdity. Yeah, like this well, defiant yeah. person <laughs> all the way to the is, end. Yeah, is so defiant and never wrong that him never being wrong throughout the movie pisses everybody off and alienates everyone. However, it does the same thing to the the network, uh, not to be confused with the BICBP radio <laughs> network, but. Uh, unless it benefits us, but um, you know it, it, his defiance 
and his argumentative nature and his always being quote right at least in his mind is what drives this alien race away from assimilation and saves the, and in turn saves the human race at the cost of all of their technology yeah it's in, it was um i don't know it was it i guess yeah when you look at it that way but i just felt it in that moment it felt so off put it didn't feel right like everybody else every time they were trying to speak in part as the network there there became this monotone thing you know what i mean so then when that started happening it felt very kind of clownish so i was like uh, it, it started to take me out of it but i see where you're coming from um but i did like like I, when it ended up going as far as it went I like that. For me, I, I I just felt like, of course, you know, Peg and and Wright would do this. They would go this far, and then it would and it was. I liked it. I thought it was actually kind of funny. And uh, you know, this being the Cornetto trilogy, it's funny. In the first two movies, they mention it. Uh, you know, Simon Pegg's character always asks Nick, Nick Frost, you know, does he want something to snack on on the first two? And the answer was always a Cornetto. Uh, this time it's not mentioned at all. And I'm like, holy crap, how come they've not mentioned it at all? Because it shows up just as a rapper with Nick uh, Frost. What does he say? Something along the lines of I forget what processed food tastes like. Yeah. Or, and all of a sudden he sees a rapper <laughs> and he goes lunging for it. It blows yeah, away. It's, it's on the other side of the fence. And he's like, we went vegan or organic. Because we kind of had to, <laughs> oh, but yet, but yet they didn't slim him down at all. It's so good, dude. It's so good. See, like I liked that. That part was good. It was. I guess it was just the you know the confrontation at the end. I felt like there should have been a lot more, especially because of how much action was uh, throughout the movie regarding you know these things. And I don't know how they would have pulled it off. Maybe you know Bill Nye and had like as the network inhabiting one of the bigger guys or something. You know what I mean? And having them duke it out or something. I don't know. Uh, but it wasn't bad. It just felt a little bit rushed to me at the end there. So let me put it in perspective for you. The next movie that Nick Frost and Simon Pegg did, if I'm not, if my memory is correct with chronology, they meet an alien while driving yep. through Arizona in an RV. So, I mean, it's a little bit on but brand. That's not an Ed, I don't think that's an Edgar Wright movie. I, it's not at least at least it's not part of this. Yeah, I don't think he's he wrote Ripping. part of that because he uh, it's it was right and Peg writing all these movies so far. So uh, you know what, Paul came two years before and it was him and Nick Frost. Yes, they did their thing. Yeah. So yeah, and it was directed by Greg uh, Matola. Yeah, these are the ones. Uh, this and Space were the things that they all worked on the most together. Um, I was looking into this. Did you see this whole thing about Cornetto ice cream and why they why they did this and why it's called the trilogy? No. So this is what it says on uh, Wikipedia. Real quick side tangent here. The name originates from a silly joke during the promotion of Hot Fuzz. Wright had written in Cornetto ice cream as a hangover cure for Frost's character in Shaun of the Dead based on his own experiences. At the after party for the film, they received free Cornetto ice creams. So Wright and Peg decided to include another reference of Cornetto in their next film in a failed attempt to get more ice cream. Uh, in Hot Fuzz, Wright included a couple of brief throwaway scenes that referred to the Cornetto joke and Sean on the promotional tour during the production of The World's End. One interviewer pointed out that the use of Cornetto in the first two films, and Wright jokingly said that they represented a trilogy comparable to Christoph, I can't say his last name, Kozlowski, uh, Three Colors film trilogy. And so the way it works out, he's considers three films a trilogy, um, and the flavors apparently are supposed to be uh, strawberry flavor for Shaun of the Dead, which represents mm -hmm. the blood and gore, uh, the blue original for Hot Fuzz, which represents police, and then this one, the uh, mint chocolate chip representing little green men and science fiction. So there's your Cornetto trilogy 
And well, and each of those movies has a fair amount of, you know, the primary color being, you know, red for Shaun of the Dead, blue for police and hot fuzz and the world's end. There was a fair amount of green initially. And then I, I didn't notice much green after that. It was a lot more of just white light. Um, it's more of a hyper blue. Yeah. I'll let you go. Yeah. Which bleeds into green. There you go. Sure. Um, Why not? One of the other things I noticed about this, not only the way the writing ca- carries over, you know, the style of, of direction, the quick cuts, all that stuff that carries over all through all these films was the music, the same. You know what I mean? He has. So right. Like I said, the last time had for me has this almost Quentin Tarantino style of choosing what he wants for his soundtrack, uh, because it feels like the songs he's constantly picking for these movies fit the scenes we're watching so far uh so let's get into the soundtrack um i mean if you look at the soundtrack there's a lot of big names on this soundtrack there's the doors stone roses kylie minogue the sundays um blur primal scream but I can't say that as I'm listening to it throughout the movie that there was anything that grabbed me to say, oh, this is who this is. Because even the doors, I, I wasn't even paying attention when Whiskey Bar was playing. When was that? You know, I don't know. I, I, I noticed that there was a lot of just background noise as far as the soundtrack went. I didn't really hear, you know, it kept me engaged or, or, or whatever. But like Whiskey Bar, I do remember hearing that, but I don't recall when that was. It was, no, you know what? It was like a montage where they were walking. It was, I know exactly when it was. It was right after they figured out when those two two guys told them about the origin of the word robot at that bar, and they were walking hand in hand, oh, like fake, fake smile right. on their face. That's right. Yeah, it was playing that, and then I think it was just like a quick cut of the song, not, you know, not not too terribly long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but overall, it was it's it was every time when I'm listening and I hear the music cut in, it fit whatever was playing fit. I can't remember what the song was that played at the very beginning um, when they were kind of walking around as as younger kids, but that fit as well. When they get in the car and he's still got the same tape from the 1990s, do you know what I mean? And it's playing the <laughs> and same that music, dark, and that old old style like hard 45 degree corner black bottom piece. <laughs> You know, that, that was, it's not the clear plastic with the rounded corners or anything like, you know, it's the old like single and, and, you know, just collected dirt, like nobody's business. Dude, it's great. So overall for me, the music was enjoyable and it fits this film as well. Um, I think maybe what, what I would start to say here is to, to, to tell whether or not I like the soundtrack, would I buy the soundtrack? And I think I'd buy this one. I think it was enjoyable. It was something I would definitely listen to. Fair enough. Um, this is one of the few things that I rarely notice because if I'm hearing the songs and it's making sense to the way everything is playing, you know, then, then I'm, it, it doesn't engage me more in the movie. And if I don't notice the soundtrack or if I really notice the soundtrack, it either stands out more than the film or it aids the film. And, and that's probably for me, it's one of the things that I don't notice the most consistently yeah sweet sweet you know what i noticed for sure special effects oh yeah there were plenty of those there were um this one needed special effects because how are you gonna how are you gonna make that giant statue 
in the middle of the, the thing move around without, you know, I don't think you could make that practical. Um, it needed the lighting, you know, the lights shooting out of their eyes. Obviously, you know, body parts popping off and blue, inky, bloody oil flying everywhere. Uh, this movie well, was definitely loaded. Some of that stuff, some of that stuff, could be practical effects. Now, granted, if you have, <laughs> you know, you know, pr- prosthetics and whatnot, or or this film just hired a whole lot of amputees, but that's <laughs> you can't hire a head amputee. No, not yet, not yet. Who knows? So I hear. Um, yeah, but dude, the, the special effects in this I thought were awesome. Like uh, the, the the one spot when the lady had uh, the two legs on her arms. And they were swinging mm-hmm. around, and every time you'd see the swing, and the, the it hit her, the, the lady in the face, or hit her, it's uh-huh. the foot kind of flapping. It looked great. I thought it was awesome. Um, the the very end though, when the bar goes down, a la Shield. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a little suspect, yeah, but they was... they darkened it so it was in like a darker area. So either that's easier to do, or harder to do, or it hides more. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it was like, all right, this is a movie about the end of times and aliens that have lights come out of their mouths and eyes. So I'm going to let it go. Right, right. You're not going to you're not going to nitpick too much. Uh the crazy static electric pulse uh pulse at the very end was kind of cool looking mm-hmm. too. Um yeah, man. Like the I, long kiss good night. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it, man. I thought it was really really cool. Like the special effects in these were great. It, it wasn't too distracting. You know, it, they fit. They looked great. Uh and the first time like the dude's head pops off you know, unless you weren't expecting it, it you know, it, you had to be like, holy shit, what the fuck? And then it looks yeah, like a Lego like, piece or some shit with a knob on yeah. the top. <laughs> oh, you know what? That's why they called him like, tell him to go back to Legoland. I, I didn't get that until <laughs> you just said that. Well, there you go. Glad I could help. Yeah, that's, that's, there. yep. That's amazing. Uh, but overall, dude, yeah, special effects are pretty decent. Um, but for this movie, I don't know. There was this one itself. Uh, there is a bigger difference than, uh, you know, between this movie and Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead for me in that this one doesn't feel like it has that many lines or quotes that were very memorable to me. There were certain scenes that were kind of memorable. But overall, like there wasn't anything on here I could feel myself requoting or reciting in, in, in the company of friends. Yeah, not as many. Uh, I, I would definitely agree. Um yeah, it's uh, one one item to note. Uh, the the budgets on these movies is uh, like Shaun of the Dead. I think we talked about this before. Was six million. Mm-hmm. Hot Fuzz was um, between twelve and sixteen. It's disputed, and this one being twenty million. So there's a little bit more budget for, you know, plus. But in Hot Fuzz, you had a lot of big names, a lot of big names, as we talked about last time. This one, you have a couple of the same people are bigger names than they were in the first one. Mm-hmm. But you also have Pierce Brosnan, who I mean, this, if you think of it, this is an indie movie anyway. But, yeah. But even still, it's uh, you know, it's that the words that I'm thinking of. It's whatever that is. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, overall, though, we're going to be giving this a rating of pints, right? Today we're doing our rating based in pints. Um, what is your rating for this film? Well, um. So for the movie, I mean, it, it was a little jarring. I, you know, because you know these character, these actors. They're in the first two movies. They're playing very. They're playing similar characters. Maybe not the same person is playing that same type of character. Like I said, Sean uh, in the first movie is a lot like Danny Butterman in the second movie, uh, in Hot Fuzz. The the the, the characteristics. But yeah. so for Gary King, maybe he's more like um, Frank Butterman. 
um, hmm. in that he's the the leader of the the the, the group, the, the greater good group, whatever they're called. Yeah. Uh, or Seam, uh, Simon Skinner, not Seymour Skinner. Um, <laughs> Seymour! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, the, the, the characters were, were, it was jarring. It was a different setting. It wasn't something that you were used to out of these, out of these guys. And, and it's great for, for the, you know, for range of, of the actors and the, you know, to bring different types of, you know, different, different talents and techniques. And, you know, again, Martin Freeman, good for him for getting a, you know, a bigger role or, or being free at this point. Um, uh, I think Lord of the Rings was well done by then. So that's probably why, quite honestly. Um, it, 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 it took me a little bit to figure out what the hell was going on. And, and, you know, at first I thought, you know, until the end, you didn't really know what Gary's deal was, why everyone hated Gary, especially why Andy hated Gary. Oh yeah. We didn't talk about that. And, and at the beginning, at the very beginning, I thought, uh, Gary was just in an AA circle. Turns out he was in the psych ward and they were having psych time. Yep. Spoiler. Alert. Um, you know, it, it, you know, just I watched it for the first time this morning and, you know, I enjoyed the movie because I enjoyed the actors. Um, the characters kind of grew on me, some more than others. Some got retribution. Uh, some got their comeuppance. Some, there was a lot of, um, you know, at the end in, in the, the world's end, which is a clever play on words for the bar, the movie, you know, and, and, and the, the, the mile, the mm-hmm. golden mile as well. Um, you know, there was, there was a bit of a tussle between the two. They got, they really, uh, between uh, Gary and Andy, they settled some things. They got some words out. Uh, and, you know, I think that they're better for it. Those, those characters are better for that character development which Gary also has throughout the movie, realizing that he's the first one, which is ironic. He's the first one that realizes that shit's weird yeah. because everyone else is just so blinded by how much they hate the town and hate being there mm-hmm. and how nothing ever good happens there. Well, guess what? They're right. So with all that, with the character progression, I think I got to give this one, um, I've waffled back and forth, but I think I'm going to settle on, it's not quite, four but i don't want to put it in a lower or mid three because i think the movie and the writing is better than that as well as the acting so i'm going to put it at a 3.95 interesting 3.95 pints please yeah which is like basically you order four and they spill a little bit out of the first one or the first one's got a little too much head on it yeah there you go um yeah, for me, like I said, the first time I saw this, I wasn't too crazy about it. Second time, I enjoyed it more. I was able to let myself get into it, um, you know, and, and you know, I paid a little bit more attention to the story and what was happening. Um, Shaun of the Dead, for me, is always going to be the best of the three, and I think I gave that a five when we mm-hmm. when the, we did this last. Uh, Hot Fuzz was a lot of fun because, again, it, it was kind of like, hey, this is they're doing this, they're a project again together, uh, and this time it's an action film, so this is a lot of fun. This time it felt like, even though zombies are considered horror, I feel like they should be considered sci-fi as well. So this felt like a return to that, and it felt like I wasn't getting anything too new because, again, there was all those weird you know instances of being chased uh, a la the zombies or being noticed while you're trying to you know go through the crowds uh and not be noticed um again so so i felt like we were seeing just kind of this, there was even the scenes where those the the 
the network, you know, all these people were all kind of bunched together and walking forward the same way that, you know, at the opening of Shaun of the Dead are all those people on the, uh, the shopping cart, you know, parking lot. Um, I don't know. So, but it was enjoyable the second time I saw it, you know, I was able to appreciate a lot of the things we discussed today, the special effects, the soundtrack, uh, just the range of, of acting from a lot of these actors and actresses, uh, getting the, getting to see those little, those little, um, you know, Easter eggs, these little people pop up here and there like the zombie girl in the in the group circle. Uh, so for me, this is not going to be, uh, be up there with Hot Fuzz, uh, but it's still pretty cool, pretty decent, great story. And I enjoyed it uh, at the end, second time around. So I'm giving I'm going to pour a full four pints on this one. So I think we could both say that uh, you'll find the entire Cornetto trilogy on our DVD shelf, the Silence Your Phones DVD shelf. Yes, sir. I would agree with that statement. Sweet, sweet. Um, I got to tell you, I don't even know what we're doing next week. You said you had something in mind. You're popping it on me, man. What are we watching next week? So I think with the, uh, to move us away from the Cornetto trilogy, sort of, I think I'm going to let Nick Frost ask the question. Point Break or Bad Boys 2? Which one do you think I prefer? No, I mean, which one do you want to watch first? So Chris... Point Break or Bad Boys Two? <laughs> oh man, Bad Boys Two. Let's. I haven't seen that in so long. I've been itching to watch it again. Let's watch Bad Boys Two. You all right? No, I'm not all right, Mike. Three days of this shit got my nerves all rattled. My ass still hurts from what you did to it the other night. Oh my lord. Hey, it got rough. I mean, we got caught up in the moment. Shit got crazy. You know how I get. Yeah. When you pop me from behind, I think you damaged some nerves. Okay. Now I I can't. Now I can't. Can't what? I can't even get in the rush. You want to watch? You want to watch the best Michael Bay movie? Ah, oh, it's it's so classic, dude. I hope I, I hope I'm not remembering it through rose colored glasses because it's going to be a shame if I watch it again. Going, you know what? That wasn't as good as I thought. <laughs> yeah, there's. That's kind of how I feel about the first one. That's awesome. Yeah, let's do Bad Boys Two. Perfect. Sweet. All right, so there you go. We're going to be watching Bad Boys Two next week. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Silence Your Phones. Make sure to continue to wash your hands. Stay safe out there. And thanks uh, to Sean Fritz. Thanks to me. We're keeping this thing going. I don't know why I said I like how you to thank us. yourself. We're just yeah, going to thank ourselves all the day. Why not? Why not? Well, folks, thanks so much for listening. Uh, it is now safe to unsilence your phones.